I'm going to be talking about the metaverse today. Some real crazy stuff coming down the pipeline. Blow your mind when you hear what's going to happen down the road. Hey, Janine, how you doing? Good, how are you doing? I'm all right, I'm all right. Um, you know, thanks for thanks for joining us. I know you're super busy. Of course, um, it's, not, it's not every day I get to talk about the metaverse with a brain surgeon, a real live brain surgeon. Well, here we are, here we are. And I can tell you that from what I read about the metaverse, this is, this is beyond uh, belief. So I'm really excited to talk to you about it. I'm gonna do a brief intro just while everyone's logging on. Okay. Uh, so we're gonna be speaking with Janine Yario today, who is a recognized metaverse expert. Uh, as background, Janine is a graduate of Yale and she is managing director at Republic Realm, a leading alternative investment platform that serves more than 700,000 active users. Prior to joining Republic, she was co-founder and CEO of Compound, which is a real estate investment technology company that was named Inc. Magazine's top 50 world-changing startups to watch. She's got over 20 years of experience in the real estate sector and has managed over $2 billion in structured real estate investments. She has also served as a judge for the Harvard Real Estate Venture Conference. And due to her expertise, she's been featured and quoted in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, New York Times, uh, and The Atlantic. Uh, as I said, she's a recognized expert uh, on the unique relationship between real estate investment, design, technology, and brands. So here to discuss the metaverse, which I only learned about recently. I've been doing some research on it. Uh, and I got to be honest, it's, it's both interesting and scary at the same time. Uh, so we'll get into it. And again, thanks for joining us, Janine. So happy to be here. It's not scary at all. Don't be scared. <laughs> well, I guess let's start for people like myself just about six weeks ago who don't know what the metaverse is. Briefly, succinctly, try to summarize what is the metaverse? So the metaverse is a virtual world that's an immersive experience where you can basically interact with other people through technology on your computer and do a lot of the things you would do in the real world, but do it in a much more immersive environment than what a traditional website will allow. Um, for anybody who has children who play Minecraft, Minecraft is a really good example of what a metaverse might be. And it um, it's just a way to go and interact with technology that feels very different from a 2D website scroll. Now, people say that it's that the metaverse ultimately will just be a continuation of the real world. The two will just blend completely. Do you believe in that? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be. I, I think the metaverse is really just a new conception of the internet. So no more than the internet is a blend with the real world. Is it a blend with the real world? I mean, I guess so, but not really. It's not like you can walk into the metaverse uh, while you're sitting at your desk. The metaverse is a catch-all for what happens when a generation of people who grew up playing video games wake up and need to do things on the internet and what they expect from that experience. And it's very different from what our generation came to expect, which was a 2D scroll um, and scrolling on a website. They want to walk into spaces. They want to have a social experience and talk to their friends. They want to see products in 3D. They want to be able to talk about them with their friends. And that's how they will interact with technology. And that is what the metaverse is. It's, it's kind of like the internet. What is the internet? It's this very big concept but it's not a, one specific game. It's not one specific website. It's a way of um, dealing with technology um, through a, a unique UX, right? That's what the internet is. The internet is really just a vast database. But when we think about what the internet really is, it's Google, right? It's it, when we interact with the internet, we're interacting with search engines and with Expedia to book travel or Facebook to find our friends. That's the internet. The metaverse is gonna be much the same way, but instead of it being a 2D experience, it's a 3D one.
Now, is there any definition of the metaverse or is it just a concept? No, there's definitely a definition. So the the um, the word metaverse was coined by uh, the writer who wrote the book Snow Crash, um, and I think he wrote it about 20 years ago. But technically, the definition of metaverse is it's an alternate digital reality where people socialize, work, play, and transact. Um, the metaverse that we're all buzzing about today, though, is it's a metaverse built on the blockchain. So there have been metaverses before, right? Minecraft is a metaverse. Second Life, which was built in the early 2000s, was a, was a metaverse. The reason people are so excited about the metaverse today is because it offers the promise of also having financial transactions that can move seamlessly through it. And that's something that cryptocurrency can enable because we can buy and sell things across different metaverses and move them around very quickly and seamlessly using cryptocurrency. Now, I'm going to get into that um, later on. Uh, I'm going to keep with the basic questions first just for our listeners. But I guess another question that I thought of early on. Can anyone access the metaverse? How is it accessed? I mean, it really depends on what you mean by the metaverse. A lot of it doesn't exist today, right? A lot of it is um, in development. You can access a metaverse if you go to Minecraft or Fortnite or Roblox. You can um, access a blockchain-based metaverse if you go to Decentraland or the Sandbox or Somnium Space. But there, it's not like there is a the metaverse. It's just like the internet. How do you access the internet? You have to have a search engine or a website, it's very much the same thing. If you wanna see what the metaverse is, uh, usually the first entry point is Decentraland. It's the oldest blockchain-based metaverse that's out there. It's definitely not the only one. We're tracking about 190 different metaverses at Republic Realm, all in different stages, ranging from concept to actually having launched. It's a huge category, and there will be lots and lots of new entrants into the space. Every day we see new metaverses being announced. Now, along those lines, I was reading that digital real estate forms the foundation for the metaverse. Is that is that true in your opinion? Well, digital real estate is just the land inside these video games. So if you think about it, it's kind of like websites. Domain names are to Web 2.0, what digital real estate is to Web 3.0. It's the 3D space inside these video games that you can do things on. You can build buildings, you can build stores, you can hold events, you can have a game within a game, you can have a casino, you might have like a, honestly, a way to go see your doctor. There might be a doctor's office that you can visit in the metaverse. I don't know that we'll ever get to the point where we can do brain surgery in the metaverse, but I think we might be able to see our psychologists in the metaverse for sure. It's just, it's so, it's so amazing just to, just to hear these concepts. I guess the next question is, um, can you describe for our, for our listeners these plots of virtual land? How do you purchase them? How do you develop these parcels of land or digital so land? You buy them. Um, they are crypto. Usually the you buy them with cryptocurrency. Oftentimes the metaverse has its own cryptocurrency. So you have to turn Bitcoin or Ethereum or U.S. dollar token into that local native currency. And then you go onto either their website or a website like OpenSea and you buy a parcel of land or in our case, we've bought thousands of parcels of land. So at Republic Realm, we buy parcels of land in these metaverses. We've bought land in over 19 of them today. We own thousands of parcels of real estate. You can go do the same thing. You can go to Decentraland and buy a parcel of land and go to the Sandbox and buy a parcel of land. The hard part is figuring out which one to buy. It's difficult to build a diversified portfolio. The technology is still very cumbersome if you're not crypto native. Um, and so I think a lot of the value we create is 
giving people the ability to build a diversified portfolio of real of metaverse real estate without having to go and buy it all themselves. So you were saying which piece of land to buy, right? So it's pretty clear when you have real real estate kind of in your face, you know what, what value is. Obviously, it's all about location when it comes to uh, physical real estate. What makes digital real estate expensive and valuable as opposed to location when it comes to physical real estate? Um, so there are a few things. First of all, scarcity. So think about digital real estate the way you would the island of Manhattan, right? It's finite. It's an island. They'll never make more of it. And so, too, is the land inside these metaverses. When game developers set up a metaverse, they predetermine exactly how many parcels of land will be sold. Oftentimes, that game, game developer holds back a certain number of parcels in their own treasury. So they're highly disincentivized to just mint lots and lots of land because then their own holdings would decrease in value. Usually there's a white paper and it might even be spelled out in the smart contract, the exact number of parcels of land that any one metaverse will produce ever. So you can figure out very quickly how scarce something is. And then what you want to do is look at the number of parcels of land relative to the size of the number of people that actually want to buy land there. So you can look at things like their Discord community, um, their Telegram community, if they have one. If they have 100,000 parcels of land, but 500 users on their Discord, it's probably a bad ratio. If they have 100,000 parcels of land and 2 million users on their Discord, it's probably a very favorable ratio. So we're just looking for literally a supply-demand balance or, or imbalance in our favor so that we buy things that people want to buy more of than exists. And that's what makes the price go up. I mean, it's, it's literally simple supply and demand. We also look for things like being close to other very uh, desirable developments. So in Decentraland, it's good to be near a casino. People love to go to this casino and earn cryptocurrency there. It's good to be near the entry point in the game because that's where, you know, if you've ever played a video game, you always start in the same place. So being near the starting point is desirable. But then beyond that, usually you can teleport within games. So it's not the same as real world real estate where you have to drive around and you pass things. You can usually enter into coordinates or you can access it through a map. So it's really about being close to other developments that are attracting people and retaining them and getting them to come back. Fascinating. And, and you know, because you were saying that there's many, there's many metaverses, obviously, hundreds and, and, you know, thousands of them, really. Now you have an avatar, which is who you are in the metaverse, and you have assets. Do your avatar and assets move seamlessly between the metaverses, or do you need an avatar and assets for every metaverse? So that is the holy grail of the metaverse opportunity. And that's a, a, something we call interoperability. And that is the promise of crypto and that crypto layer that connects all of these metaverses to each other. And the ultimate goal is that you'll be able to move your avatars, which are NFTs, which is another concept we can talk about between them. Today, that is mostly not the case. You can move uh, your NFTs that are static pictures and you can generally display them in galleries from metaverse to metaverse. But today you can't easily move your avatars around. But there are a lot of people trying to solve that problem and that is really where the metaverse is headed so that you can be you know, Dr. Dr. Ricardo in one metaverse and, and use that same exact avatar across lots of different metaverses. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that would be a big limiting factor if they can't fix that, but it sounds like that's gonna be fixed. It's just a matter of time. It's not, a, it's not a matter of it being fixed. It's just this whole industry is just getting started. So it's it, everybody's building. We're in building mode right now. And so the, the point is that's the goal everybody's building toward. It's not that it's broken. It just hasn't actually been done yet. Think of it like when 
you know, Kennedy announced the space race, right? Like we're going to go to the moon. That's where we are today in the metaverse. We're going to make a metaverse. We have some metaverses that are mostly designed for children that are very popular. Um, we're going to be making them for the adult community, for people that have more sophisticated needs from their, their technology. Um, but that's where we are when you think of the life cycle of the metaverse. It's very, very early. Now, uh, you were talking about blockchain cryptocurrency. Explain how the blockchain dovetails with the metaverse and will the metaverse be 100% cryptocurrency moving forward? There's never any exchange of real life currency, I'm assuming. So it's hard to say for sure, but the, but the addition of cryptocurrency into this, the, the concept of a metaverse is not new. So we've established that, right? Second Life has been around for almost 20 years. Um, and there's an ecosystem and an economy inside Second Life. People buy and sell things. But historically, they've never been willing to pay as much as people are willing to pay now. And a lot of that is because of the idea of cryptocurrency, the sense that you can buy something in a game and move it in and out. So you can go buy a skin in Fortnite, but you can't use it elsewhere, right? You can't sell it elsewhere. The whole point of a blockchain-based metaverse is this idea of interoperability, which makes people much more comfortable with spending $100,000 or we've spent a million dollars on a parcel of land in a metaverse because number one, there's a, a record on the digital ledger on the blockchain. And then there's also this ability to move it around. So you can take that parcel of land and trade it and transact on the blockchain. So I know, yes, I paid a million dollars, by the way, it's worth a lot more today and I can actually sell it. It's not just worth more in the game. It's worth more outside the game and I can sell it on marketplaces that are outside of that particular metaverse. And that's strictly via cryptocurrency though. Correct. Yeah, you can easily convert fiat into cryptocurrency. So yes, it's in cryptocurrency, but so what? I mean, you can you can turn dollars into cryptocurrency on your phone. Of course, of course, absolutely. It just shows the increasing value of cryptocurrency. So someone like myself who still hasn't gotten really into cryptocurrency and you wonder why, it's because you have to, uh, if you're going to be involved in the metaverse, you have to be involved in cryptocurrency is essentially kind of where you're going with that. So let's say someone, again, wants to buy a plot of land. They want to develop an art gallery, a movie theater, uh, a mall. Explain how these virtual worlds allow users to create, experience, monetize this virtual content into a self-contained economy. Well, um, first of all, the, the newer metaverses are making it much easier for people who are not um, game developers to go and build things there. But it is very helpful if you understand how to build a game um, or how to do 3D design, because oftentimes you start with a 3D design file and then you can basically deploy it into a metaverse. If you're creative, um, there are no physical constraints in the metaverse, right? Any building you build can literally hover. There's no gravity. There's no cost of building materials. It's really just limited by your own ingenuity. So then what you build and how attractive it is to other people can then determine whether you can make money from it. And that's how you build an ecosystem. So, you know, some of the earliest successes were um, casinos because obviously people love gambling, especially crypto people. But there have also been event spaces. People have done concerts in the metaverse. I think we've probably seen almost everything. We at Republic Realm developed a shopping mall in the metaverse where you can go and buy clothing for your avatar, clothing that you can wear virtually, which is a whole other topic of discussion. But I think that there's an unlimited number of things that can be done in the metaverse. And if a creator can actually figure out how to build and deploy things, 
the sky is the limit. There's there's literally no limitation on what can be built. Now you mentioned uh, Decentraland is the most uh, well-known metaverse. What is Decentraland? Uh, how does someone access it? And what can you do in Decentraland? I think the website for Decentraland, if I'm not not mistaken, is Decentraland.com. Otherwise, you can Google it. It definitely comes up in the top of search. Um, it is the the most established of the blockchain-based metaverses. It literally is a video game representation of a world. So it has, it's like a video game, but with no stated purpose. You know, in most video games like Super Mario Brothers or Grand Theft Auto, there's a, there's a point, right? You're supposed to be moving your guy toward a specific goal and, and doing something along the way, get, gathering gold coins or shooting people, whatever the goal is. In a metaverse, generally, there's no stated objective. So you're just there to just be. And Decentraland is exactly like that. You can buy a flat parcel of land that has nothing on it and you can build what you want to on it. And then you basically wait for other people to come along and do the thing that you want them to do with you or you invite them to join you. But it's it's basically a blank canvas. And that's what's exciting about it. That's what people like about it. What people don't like about it is not very intuitive to use. Uh, the controls, you know, most people don't have a joystick and it's, it's you control it with your keyboard, which makes for kind of a janky experience. The audio and chat are still very rudimentary, so it doesn't feel like you're actually with other people yet. But again, we're at kind of day zero of the metaverse, and I do think it's going to get a lot better really, really fast. And as investors in the space, we see all of the new new projects coming along, and I think there's going to be some really amazing technology that we're going to see very, very soon. I mean, let's follow up on that because that it just sounds incredible. What do you envision you know, the ultimate metaverse experience. Are we talking about uh, three-dimensional augmented goggles, uh, the ability to touch and feel and walk and hear? I mean, what, how, how immersive? I think that's, that's the vision that Ready Player One, you know, planted in all of our minds. And people think that there's this VR component to it. And maybe that will be the case. I think until the hardware component of VR is easier. People do not want to wear, you know, a calculator across their face. It's not, it's not pleasant. It makes you feel very vulnerable. You can't, part of what's so addictive about a cell phone is you can do it while you're doing other things. You know, you can walk down the street and play on your phone. You cannot do anything else while you're wearing VR goggles. You literally have to check out of life. And so I don't, I actually am not as bullish on the VR component until VR goggles look like glasses. You know, and Google Glass, for those of you who remember, they tried something similar to that. It wasn't VR, but it was this idea of having the internet, you know, kind of strapped to your face through this transparent lens. If we get to the point where there's a hardware AR style metaverse where you just put on a pair of clear glasses, then maybe. I'm not sure that's what people want. Um, I do think that this is going to be much less invasive than, than the kind of dystopian version of the metaverse that people are supposedly afraid of. Um, I think I think it's just gonna look like the internet, but instead of a 2D scroll, it's a 3D immersive experience. That's that's my thesis on how the metaverse is going to play out, especially over the near term. Wow, okay, so that's a lot less scary, just like you said. I was imagining people Shooting crazy. Each other, right? Exactly, crazy three-dimensional suits. You men, you love to blow things up and shoot people. <laughs> if you talk to a woman about what we want in the metaverse, we want to go shopping we want to meet our friends maybe we want to build relationships if we don't have that insane um desire not insane innate desire to blow things up that men do <laughs> it's funny yet true um can you talk about non-fungible tokens nfts you, you had mentioned that earlier what does that mean um and how does that relate to the metaverse 
So non-fungible tokens are cryptocurrencies. They're just like any cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, except each one is different. So in Bitcoin, they're all the same. Whether you buy Bitcoin number one or Bitcoin number 4,932, you and I are completely indifferent as to which one we own. In NFTs, each coin is different. And the way people have come to understand that is we put art on each of those coins or we put a drawing that's different. And non-fungible tokens, every single one is different. That's why they're called non-fungible. Bitcoin is fungible. You can take any one of them and they're all worth exactly the same amount. Non-fungible tokens, each one is different, but it's still recorded on the blockchain. Why is this related to the metaverse? The metaverse gives NFTs utility and NFTs have brought everybody to cryptocurrency in the metaverse. So these two things kind of live in perfect harmony. People own all these NFTs now, right? They're waking up to this NFT space and people are starting to buy a lot of them. But what do you do with them? What are you supposed to do with all these NFTs? The promise is that you will be able to use them in the metaverse. People are spending $3,000, $5,000 on sneakers that are NFTs that you can only wear in the metaverse on your avatar. So people are buying these digital goods in advance of the technology catching up with them. The whole promise of the metaverse is that you'll be able to take all these NFTs that you bought and use them or display them or spend them there. Now, people are, are hesitant to get involved in the metaverse without seeing some validity, meaning seeing other big companies getting involved. What are some big brands, big institutions that have gotten heavily involved in the metaverse that might give the metaverse more kind of cachet? People want to see that. You mean bigger than Facebook and Microsoft? I mean, those two companies. That's pretty big. Pretty yeah, big, right? Yeah. Pretty big. Uh, Disney yesterday dropped an, or two days ago, dropped an NFT. I think all the big players are definitely trying to figure out what to do. A lot of the smaller players are uh, also trying to figure out where their role is. If you think about this, like what happened when the internet became uh, more widely accepted in the late 1990s, the people that moved fast uh, and got there early, some of them were rewarded, but it became obvious that every company, every person needed some sort of web presence. And I think that would be exactly the same thing in the metaverse where yes, Facebook or Amazon need a metaverse presence, but so does your local hair salon. You know, you need to be able to be found there because that's where consumers will do product discovery. That's where you'll find your friends. That's where your the equivalent of social media will occur. It will occur there. So let's, so let's wrap it up because I, I know you're super busy and, and we're reaching half an hour. Like you said, Metaverse is in the infancy stages. It's got a long way to go. It has a super uh, bright future. If you had a crystal ball, mm -hmm. what would the Metaverse be, be in the next five years, 10 years, and 20 years in terms of how it relates to our lives economically, culturally, socially? What's your prediction? I think the Metaverse is going to replace social media. It's going to replace um, a lot of the way we interact with the internet today. Um, and instead of, instead of interacting with technology in a 2D way, we're all going to interact with it in a 3D way from our, from our phones, from our computers. It's going to replace the web to experience the same way that the internet replaced the yellow pages and books. Wow. And are you saying five years, 10 years, 20 years? I think it's going to be sooner than that. Sooner than five. I think, um, I think I have a crystal ball. First of all, they're called children. And you watch your children play and do things and their expectation from technology is very different from ours. And so if you assume that today's 10 year olds in five years are going to want to have a social media experience that looks more like 
their experience with Minecraft and Discord than our experience with Facebook or Instagram, it's going to happen very quickly. They're already, they're already there. Today's children are already in the metaverse. They're already being conditioned to buy NFTs. They collect skins on Fortnite and they're buying pets and adopt me on Roblox. They're already doing it. So it's, it's not going to happen. It is happening. It's happening now. It's just the adults haven't figured it out yet. Wow. Janine, listen, you are awesome. This conversation, I could talk to you for hours. Totally mind-blowing. Uh, I think the take-home point is that the metaverse, which I didn't even know existed until about six weeks ago, is here, and you either get on the train or you get run over. I guess that's the that's the learning point for all of us. So very exciting times. Thank you for all of your expertise, um, and we look forward to, to, to more about the metaverse. Again, you know, thanks, thanks so much, Janine. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Bye-bye.